Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Well, good morning again. My name is Andrew. It's so great to be with you here online for First Alliance Church at Home. Welcome to you if you're part of our church community, and a big welcome to you if you're new to church, you're exploring church and what Christians believe in this guy named Jesus and what difference he might make in your life. We're so glad you're with us. This morning, we're actually launching into a new sermon series called Into the Unknown, where we're considering the first eight chapters of the book of Joshua. We're taking a break from our series in Luke, and we're gonna be in in Joshua for eight weeks, and we're really excited for that. Because right now we live on the verge of the unknown in, in times where the future seems unsure, where many of our lives have been thrown off kelter. And we're we're wondering, how do I keep living? How do I move forward with strength and confidence and joy in the midst of such crazy circumstances? And so we're gonna be considering from the book of Joshua, how do we follow God into the unknown? So let's dive in. Up to this point in the biblical story, what's happened is God has created the world to be a place of life and fruitfulness, and he made humans in his image to represent him and to participate in his work of cultivating the world, of continuing to make the world a fruitful, beautiful, life-giving place. But all that was destroyed when humanity disobeyed God. They ate from the tree from which they were not supposed to eat. They didn't think God was looking out for their best interest and they bought the lie that God wasn't good. And when that happened, sin entered into the world and there was just this downward world spiral of chaos and violence, God's creation thrown into turmoil. But guess what? There's such good news in the opening books of the Bible, the opening chapters of the Bible that God's grace doesn't stop running after humanity. God chooses one man, Abraham, and from that man, he, he, he wants that man to become a family who would then become a nation, to be his special people and to represent him in the world and be a blessing to the world. And that's where we're picking up this morning in the story of Joshua. Abraham's family has become a nation. They were enslaved in Egypt for about 400 years. They came out of Egypt under Moses. And now, about 40 years later, wandering in the wilderness, they are on the verge of the land that God had promised to them. And they've just come through a major transition in leadership. Moses, the renowned, the illustrious leader of God's people, has died. And check out what it says about Moses. This is kind of a eulogy to Moses in Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 and to 12. It says, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials in his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Can you imagine leading after that guy? Those are some big shoes to fill. All right, Joshua, you're a new leader. Let's see what you've got. 
And so here God's people stand, a new generation with a new leader on the brink of the land that God had promised them, a land that is full of life and opportunity, but also a land full of obstacles and challenges. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're staring into the unknowns of the future and how you're going to live your life from this moment onwards. So I want to invite you to come with me as we enter into the book of Joshua. I have a Bible open in front of you. We're going to read God's word in Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. That's Joshua 1, verses 1 to 9. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come, that you would help us in our weakness. Would you illumine our hearts and our minds? Would you quicken our understanding? Would you remove the rust of the flesh of sin and of worldliness from us? Show us how to live and make us more like Jesus. We pray in his mighty name, amen. What I want to do with you this morning is to draw your attention to what we learn about God's part and then our part in this whole business of getting ready to follow God into the unknown. What is God's part and what is our part? Let's start with God's part. First thing we need to say as we enter the book of Joshua, look in verse one, it's God's initiative. It's the Lord who speaks first. God has things that he is doing that he wants his people to get with, that he wants Joshua, now the leader of his people, to get with. We need to begin by recognizing the divine initiative. What's happening here is not a plan that Moses made up. It wasn't Moses' thing, it wasn't Moses' pet project, and now he's getting Joshua to carry it on. 
It is God's thing. And now that Moses is dead, often when there's a transition in leadership like that, we think, okay, the whole plan is gonna go up in smoke. Moses is dead, God isn't. And God's plan continues because God's plans hinge on God. They don't hinge on people. And so what this does for Joshua as a leader is uh, in such moments, God is so quick to remind us of his divine initiative, of his promise and plan that it reminds Joshua, hey Joshua, this is bigger than you. The end of verse three, he says that this was his promise to Moses way back in Exodus chapter three. And then before this, the promise to Abraham This is bigger than Joshua. This is bigger than the present generation. God's initiative and plan are at work here. And way back in Exodus 3, you know who God was talking to and and, and pointing out as his leader? A timid, reluctant, fearful man wandering in the desert named Moses. That's who he reached out to. This is bigger than us. And the moment in which we live, God is carrying out a purpose that is far greater than we are. And I know in life it might not feel like it. All you can feel and you're aware of is just yourself and sometimes your problems and your anxieties. But right now, as we live through this pandemic and you see how things are so chaotic, things are so unknown, everything has changed, we might feel small because we didn't see it coming. Well, isn't it a comfort to know that God did? That there are no surprises that he didn't know about already in the present moment. Even he knew this would happen before the world was made. Our God is sovereign. And he's not lost control. His divine initiative is always at work, going ahead, uh, seeking to redeem evil and sin and chaos and to continue to bring about his good and eternal purpose. We need to see God's part, God's initiative, God's plan here. Secondly, we see God's grace. This whole thing about Israel getting ready to cross the river and to enter the land, notice how it's not framed as they are going to take the land with their own might. Rather, the language in our text is that the land is given. Verse 2 says, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. Again, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. This is about gift and that is the language of grace. It's not their merit, it's not their effort that is gonna take hold of it. It is a gift of God and check it out. It is definitely not because they deserved it. In in Deuteronomy 9 verse five, here's what it says. God says, it is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of their land. God just like nips that one in the bud right away. It's not because you're so great that I'm giving you this land. This is so important to keep in mind. This is not about looking at us and how great we are. We're God's special people because we're so awesome. This is happening because God is good. And he has a plan and his grace is being manifest to these people and they're being welcomed to participate in what God is up to. It's grace. 
I want you to consider today, if you're just uh, wondering about Christianity and you're exploring who Jesus is, consider the claim that there is a God who made you and who loves you and is taking the initiative in your life and drawing you to himself through his grace. Consider that. Now, some of you may be at home and you're wondering because you've observed, hey, God is talking to Joshua. He's talking to the leader of the people and therefore maybe you've taken the step further and said, you know, this doesn't really apply to me. I don't really need to hear this. I'm not a leader. I'm just, you know, the average Joe churchgoer. But please don't be mistaken. This is for all of us. We all have a part to play. Yes, this is a leadership moment, but this is also about the people that Joshua will be leading. We have a part to play. And let me just say, if you in your Christian life do not grow to appreciate and take hold of the part that God is calling you to play in his kingdom and in his mission, to worship Christ in all things, you are gonna find yourself out of touch with God and what he's doing. You're gonna find your faith is gonna grow stagnant. You're gonna find that you're gonna miss out on a ton of growth and joy and depth and abundance that Jesus wants you to have because we all have a part to play. So we looked first at God's part, that God has taken the initiative. He's pouring out his grace. He's in control. He's got a plan. He's gonna accomplish his plan. So what is our part? There's two things I want to draw your attention to. The first is that call to be careful to obey all the law. And the second is is the big one that stands out in the text, be strong and courageous. So first, we'll start on that note of obedience. In verses seven and eight, it says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now, as they get ready to cross the Jordan and and to head into battle against fortified cities and military outposts, you might think it would make more sense to say, hey, be careful to obey your military training. Be careful to obey the swordsman's handbook. Be careful to obey your military formations and strategies, but that's not the need. The need is for the teaching, the instruction of God, the Torah, what we now have as the first five books of the Bible. And this was all the Bible they had at that time, and it wasn't even written down yet. It was this oral tradition that lived with the people that was handed on throughout the generations, and they shared it with one another. And check out what Moses says about God's words. In one of his last speeches before he dies to the people of Israel, he says this, that they, the words of the law, are not just idle words for you. These aren't just idle words for you. They are your life. He says, by them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. He says, God's words are your life. They aren't just rules. They aren't just idle words. They are your life. 
And coming back to Joshua 1, the verbs that are used to talk about God's word in verse 7 and 8 actually suggest two approaches to the word of God that we need to have very practically in our life. First, verse 7 speaks of study. Be careful to obey. That word be careful entails watchfulness. It's observation of the word. It's knowing what it says so that you won't veer to the right or to the left. You gotta know what it says. Deep study of God's word is needed. That's the first approach we need. The second one is brought out in verse eight because it's different there. We also need a more devotional approach, a spiritual practice. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. And that word meditate actually means mutter or murmur or even hum, which is a very different approach from studying. And this points us towards prayer. This points us towards breathing the word, singing the word, committing it to memory, speaking it to ourselves and to our families and to our friends, Um, not in a wooden way, oh, here goes dad talking about the Bible again, but bringing God's word to bear on the daily events of your household, helping your kids or your spouse or your parents see things through the lens of God's word. If these words of God are indeed our life, then they should be always on our lips. So there's this two-pronged approach, study and spiritual practice, prayer, memory, singing, all of these things. We need to incorporate those as we follow Jesus. This is talking about training. People of God, here's your training as you get ready to go into the promised land. Now, the U.S. Navy SEALs have a very interesting saying about training. Here's what they say. They say nobody rises to the challenge. Nobody rises to the challenge. Here's what really happens. You fall to the level of your training. Nobody rises to the challenge. You fall to the level of your training. So let's illustrate this. Who saw the shot on Thursday? OG Ananobi hoisted a three-point shot into the air with 0.5 seconds left in the game trying to keep the Toronto Raptors' playoff hopes alive. What happened in that moment? What happened there? Did OG Ananobi rise to the challenge and do something that was outside the realm of his normal experience? No. He didn't rise to the challenge. He fell to the level of his training. That's what happened. Thousands of reps in the gym, shooting the corner three over and over and over again. Catch and shoot, catch and shoot, so that when crunch time comes, it's in him. It's instinctual. The catch and release had become so natural to him that even when the conditions aren't ideal, even when he's exhausted at the end of a game, when he's feeling the mental pressure of the moment, in spite of all the strain, he's able to execute the shot because all he had to do was fall to the level of his training. That's what he did. And it's the same with us in the Christian life. You might think, well, you know, I'll get serious about God's word when I really need to. I'll get serious about the word when, I'm, when I hit crisis. I'll get serious about the word when my pastor asks me to lead a Bible study. That's when I'll do it. 
But let me tell you, the fact of the matter is you fall to the level of your training. And if that training in God's word isn't there, then you're not equipped. You're not equipped to follow Jesus and follow God into the unknown. And you won't magically rise to the occasion. That's not how it works. This text is telling us clearly, you cannot be successful in following God into the unknown apart from a careful obedience to his word. They're not idle words. They are your life. It's a crucial aspect of our part. Now, the second aspect is the most obvious one. It's the one that is repeated most in the text. It's, it's that echoing mantra in the book of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. We see it in verse six, seven, and nine. It's the first thing, it's the middle thing, and it's the last thing about this text. And and it's linked, actually, with knowing God's word. God says, be strong and very courageous before he exhorts his people to careful observance of his word. And I can imagine Joshua desperately needed to hear these words. Be strong and courageous. And I think that's why it's repeated so many times. And it's even stated in the negative, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because those are always the temptation we face in leadership. And when we follow God into the unknown. Here's Joshua, this young leader with a huge task before him. He's leading people into a new land with all those unknowns and so much potential for danger and setbacks. And remember, this is not their first time on the edge of the river. Let me remind you of Numbers chapter 13 and 14. About 40 years before this, God's people had just been rescued from Egypt and they had journeyed through the wilderness and they came to the point of sending envoys as spies to to look at the land, to get a survey, to see what they would need to do to prepare. They had been here before and what happened then was the 12 spies came back and two of the spies, Joshua himself and Caleb, said the land is good, we should go in. And the other 10 spies drew the people's attention to the obstacles, but how strong and mighty the inhabitants of the land were. And what happened is those 10 spies spread a bad report and that poisoned the people against Moses and Aaron and the people stubbornly wouldn't go in. They didn't believe that God was with them or if he was, they didn't believe that he was powerfully sufficient enough to deal with the obstacles ahead. Get this, in that moment, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They said to themselves, we're gonna get a new leader who's gonna lead us back into Egypt. They were thinking about stoning Aaron and Moses and Joshua and Caleb of killing their leaders. I mean, talk about a crisis. Talk about a history. And what happened in that moment is God appeared in his glory and he stops them from stoning Moses and Aaron and and God turns on his people, rebuking them. And God's about to send a plague on them, but Moses saves their bacon. They are about to kill him, but he saves their bacon. He intercedes and God shows mercy to his people. And the Lord sent them back into the wilderness for 40 years and that generation would first have to die off before God's people would enter into the land because of their unfaithfulness. 
That is their track record. So here they are. History is against them. The generational legacy is against them. The facts are against them. There's a river they can't cross, barring their way. There are forts and walls and well-armed and well-established people standing in the way. And God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. But that's not all he says. Because with only that, we might think this is a call to take the bull by the horns and whip ourselves up and grit our teeth and just be better and get on with it, but that's not it. This goes way beyond self-help and motivational speaking. There is gospel here. There is good news that we need to hear that empowers us to be strong and courageous and to do our part, a word that can transform us. And here it is. It's the presence of the Lord. What's the power we need to be strong and courageous? It's there in verse five and in verse nine. In verse five, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord, and that's God's personal name, the name Yahweh. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the foundation of the call to strength and courage. Joshua can be strong and courageous because God is with him. That's where we get the power to do our part. It's the presence of God. If there's one thing I want you to take away from this talk, it's that. Whether you want to take it personally for you or whether you're thinking about us as a church and how we're moving forward, here's what you need to take away. If you are a follower of Jesus, God is with you. He's with you. And you might be in desperate need of hope right now, desperate need of courage and strength, and know this, God is not casting you back on your own resources. He's inviting you to cast yourself onto him in faith and hope and love. God is with you. Let that be the foundation of every single step that you take. I love how Dale Davis puts it in his book. He says, there is nothing more essential for the people of God than to hear their God repeating to them amidst all their changing circumstances, I will be with you and I will not forsake you. You see, nothing else can make you live with strength and courage. It's not fame, it's not money, it's not influence, it's not good looks, it's not good fashion, it's not popularity. Nothing but the presence of God himself in your life can empower you to live the life you were made to live and that deep down you want to live. And he's given us a leader to lead us there. 
He's given you a leader to lead you there. This leader has gone ahead of us. This leader is greater than Moses was. He's greater than Joshua was. In fact, their stories are actually just pointing to him and his coming and his story. It's all pointing to Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, who took upon himself our humanity and went to the cross to atone for and cover over all the reasons you and I could not be in God's presence. He covered over all the reasons you and I could not be in God's presence, our unbelief, our sin, and our shame. Jesus died to secure for you and I that precious access into the holy presence of the living God of the universe and to enter into his rest. You see, that's the real promised land. That's the promised land that the book of Joshua is pointing us to. So I want to ask you today, what are you turning to for strength and courage in the face of the unknown? May you, may we turn to Jesus in his cross and his resurrection, and through him may we abide in the presence of God. Holy Spirit, would you move in power to make this our reality and breathe this into our experience. For we pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.